Thank you. All right, so our first reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Back again. Our next reading comes from Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 29 through to verse 45. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. 
And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Hello, everyone. Great to see you. Uh, my name's Jared, and um, I'm the pastor here at High Wycombe Church, um, and it's wonderful to have you with us. This is uh, our fifth week, I think, uh, so uh, that's that's gone quickly for me. I don't know about you, but um, we are back in Mark's Gospel today. And um, it's my privilege to bring that to you this morning. Let's, let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for your grace in Christ Jesus. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, to see the Lord Jesus, to see his authority and to see his priority. By your spirit, grant that we would submit to Jesus, the authoritative king, and align ourselves with his priority. And it's in the mighty name of of our Lord, Saviour, and King Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, when I was a small child, or maybe not, not so small, uh, my, my dad um, would, would cook on, on, the, on the barbecue, or as he called it, the braai, if there are any uh, South Africans around. Um, and, and my job was uh, to, to stand next to him and run errands while he worked his magic. Um, so I was the equivalent of the intern going to get coffees um, for, for the bosses. Uh, so, so he would he would be standing there uh, with his tongs, and and then and then he would say, "Oh, Jared, could you could you please get me a knife?" And so I would you know go inside, go get a knife, and then and then bring it back out and give it to him. And he'd say, oh, "Okay, Jared, could you could you please go get me a fork?" And so, "Okay, thanks, Dad. I'll go inside, get a fork, bring it back." And and then he asks me to get get a, a plate, and I'm like, "Okay, what kind of plate?" And he wants a side plate. I'm like, "Okay." And then I went inside, got the side plate, brought it back out. Um, and and all the while, I don't know if my dad planned this, but all the while, the the steak that he was cooking was cooking, um, and and so I wasn't standing there just going, "Why isn't it ready yet?" Um, and and then and then there would come the time where he would he would he would use that knife. And that fork and that side plate and he would take the steak off of the the, the the barbecue and put it on the plate and cut a small piece off and he would have a bite and and, and make a sound something like mmm <laughs> and and then say something like that's good and then and then he'd say here try this and 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 and, and he'd cut me a piece and give it to me um, and I, I entered a state of blissful contentment where I got to try this steak and and it was a foretaste of what was to come more steak <laughs> and uh yeah i uh, i my, my dad actually isn't isn't here this morning because he's unwell but um but yeah it, it was funny a few weeks ago he came to to our house and um and i was cooking on the barbecue <laughs> and he was standing there and i was asking him to get me stuff and he very graciously obliged but yeah um that that foretaste idea is significant and and today we're going to see how the king arriving in history uh, brings a foretaste of his coming kingdom, where there will be no sickness, no suffering, and no sorrow. Uh, Jesus is the king of the whole world, as we've been seeing in Mark. And when the king of the whole world shows up to earth, he gives us an insight into what his coming kingdom is like, a foretaste of what's to come. 
And as he does this, Jesus demonstrates his authority, his unparalleled authority as king, and he reveals his priority. Uh, So his authority and priority. We begin with Jesus' authority. Jesus has authority over humanity, over the spiritual realm, and over the physical realm. What do we mean by authority? Jesus is in charge. Jesus has power over these things. Jesus rules. And when we see the breadth of these things that Jesus has power over, it fits perfectly with Mark's case thus far that Jesus is the king of the whole world. Authority over humanity, authority over the spiritual realm, and authority over the physical realm. This is the ultimate king we're talking about. We'll go through each of those in turn. Firstly, Jesus' authority over humanity. We see Jesus' authority over humanity, particularly in his interactions with the fishermen in verses 16 to 20. Four fishermen are out there casting nets, mending nets, trying to catch fish, and they meet Jesus. And the interactions are amazing. Jesus walks alongside the Sea of Galilee and he sees them. Jesus says to them, follow me, and they do. These fishermen listen to Jesus. Why? Because he speaks as the authoritative king over humanity. Jesus calls them to follow him, and they do it immediately. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. They simply leave behind their careers, their fishing careers, and become followers of Jesus. Students of the ultimate rabbi, the authoritative king. Jesus not only calls them out of their role as fishermen, Jesus calls them to follow him. And along with calling them to follow him comes a new purpose for their lives. See with me in verse 17. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. No longer fishermen, but fishers of men. As a new dad, I love the play on words. <laughs> and, uh, and it really clearly captures Jesus' authority in calling these men to follow him and the purpose that he has for them in reaching others. These four will go on to be with Jesus for much of his ministry. And three of them will be some of his closest disciples. They will be his witnesses along with the other disciples to reach the nations with the massive news about this King Jesus. And that action of calling out and calling to demonstrates Jesus' authority over humanity and also his concern for humanity, his love, his compassion. So that's Jesus' authority over humanity. Secondly, Jesus is shown to be the one with authority over the spiritual realm. In today's passage, this is most clearly seen in Jesus' time in the synagogues, where he teaches with authority and casts out demons in verses 21 to 28, as well as in verses 34 and 39. Jesus and the fishermen, um, his new disciples, the one he's just told to follow him, go into Capernaum. And on the Sabbath, that's the day of rest, Jesus immediately goes into the synagogue and starts teaching. That's where the Jewish people hung out to hear uh, the Bible read and, and, and taught. But Jesus' teaching is different to what they're used to. The crowd is astonished. See that in verse 22? And and why is it astonishing? Well, Mark tells us. 
for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Jesus' teaching stands out because of his authority. The scribes, the teachers of the law, they taught that people needed to work their way into being right with God by keeping all kinds of extra rules that they made up. Well, what was Jesus teaching? Well, as we've seen previously in verse 15, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is not a scribe telling you that you just need to work harder to be right with God. No, Jesus is the king telling you that he has arrived and he's bringing his kingdom. So turn away from your rebellion against God and believe this massive news that the king has come, that Jesus is that savior king. Put your trust in him. And Jesus' teaching in the synagogues demonstrates that authority he has because he speaks spiritual truths as the ultimate king. One clear way we see this work out is with the the case of demon possession. His authority in teaching is clear, but what does that have to do specifically with, with the demons? Well, the arrival of Jesus, the promised king on earth, sees a whole lot of evil spirits and forces come to the fore. Evil is real. Demons are real. Uh, The forces of evil in 21st century Perth are still around, but they are often hidden and covert. When Jesus, the king of the whole world, showed up in Galilee 2,000 years ago, the forces of evil were public and overt. They knew who Jesus was, and they knew there was no place for evil and no place for them in Jesus' kingdom. The demons are exposed in the presence of Jesus. The demon cries out in verse 24, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Evil is real, and evil is powerful. But Jesus, the authoritative king, has no trouble in casting demons out. Jesus doesn't have to go through some long process or try to reason with them or appeal to someone else. No, Jesus speaks and the demons leave. They can't help it. Jesus is the king with all authority over the spiritual realm. When he speaks, the spiritual realm listens. Let's see how that played out in Capernaum. When Jesus cast out the demon in verse 25, he simply says, Be silent and come out of him. And the demon does so in verse 26. He convulses the man, cries out, and then he comes out and is silent. And what's the response of the people? They ask the question, what is this? In verse 27. And what's their answer to that question? What is this? Do they say a new exorcism with authority? No. They say a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. You see, Jesus casting out demons is not separate uh, to his teaching with authority, but an outworking of it. And see how they go side by side in verse 39. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus' authority over the spiritual realm is evident both in his teaching, his authoritative teaching that he, the king, has arrived, and in the outworking of that teaching 
which exposes and casts out the demons that came to the fore. So that's Jesus' authority over the spiritual realm. Thirdly, Jesus has authority over the physical realm. And this is clearly seen in his healing of Simon's mother-in-law and the many sick people in verses 29 to 34, and also in his cleansing of the leper in verses 40 to 45. So after Jesus' time in the synagogue in Capernaum, he goes to Simon and Andrew's house, two of the, the, the guys who had fishing careers that we heard about just earlier, along with the other two, James and John. And so he's in Simon and Andrew's house, and Simon's mother-in-law is lying ill with a fever. And Jesus took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately she was better. No more fever. And it wasn't like she had any lingering symptoms either. Man flu, anybody? <laughs> um, she, she's up and about serving them straight away. Instead of her sickness contaminating Jesus through their touch, Jesus' wellness is what's contagious. And word traveled fast. See, see in verses 32 to 34. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. Jesus heals many people with all sorts of ailments. And again, there's no big struggle. There's no need for him to ask someone else. He simply heals them. And even in the case of leprosy, a skin disease that confines someone to isolation and crying out unclean, unclean to warn other people, Jesus has no problem in healing him. In verse 40, the leper comes pleading and begging to Jesus, saying, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus has compassion on him. He touches him and he says, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. No long process, no avoiding contact, <laughs> yeah, no social distancing. Uh, Jesus touches him and says, be clean, and he is. And just like with Simon's mother-in-law, the leprosy doesn't make Jesus unclean. No, Jesus' cleanness is what's contagious here. When confronted with diseases, Jesus heals people through touch and speech. That's Jesus' authority over the physical realm. So we're focusing on, on Jesus' authority and priority today, but I've got a bonus one for you, uh, Jesus' publicity. Understandably, Jesus going around and performing miracles garnered a lot of attention. Jesus' fame spread all over Galilee in verse 28, after he cast the demon out of the man in Capernaum and taught with authority. At sundown, after healing Simon's mother-in-law, as we just saw, the whole city was gathered together at the door in verse 33. And in verse 45, the cleansed leper tells everyone about Jesus cleansing him so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town and people were coming to him from every quarter. A king with this kind of authority over humanity, over the spiritual realm and over the physical realm attracts a lot of attention. Jesus' publicity is going through the roof. People have heard of him. People want to see him. People want to take their sick and oppressed family and friends to see him. If it were today, people would be booking flights, getting on trains, hitchhiking, 
swimming, you name it, they would be trying to get there. Everyone wanted to be there. So why does Jesus want these things to be kept quiet? Doesn't that strike you as a little strange? Why does Jesus tell the leper, for example, to not go out and tell others at this point? Well, Jesus' time to die had not yet come. While the people like the benefits this king brings, many have no interest in the king himself or in submitting to him. They want the benefits of the kingdom without wanting the king. They like the idea of no sickness, suffering, or sorrow, but not the idea of someone else being in charge. Even when that someone else is the only one who brings about the end of sickness, suffering, and sorrow. And if we look at ourselves, what we're like by nature, we see that that's true of us too. We so often want the good things the king offers, but we don't naturally want to submit to that king, the ultimate king, Jesus. And that's what the Bible calls sin, rebellion against God. And for that rebellion, we all deserve God's anger. But soon we'll see how Jesus takes that in our place. Further along in Mark, people start to see this king, Jesus, as a threat and despise him for it. In chapter 3, 6, not, not far after this, the Pharisees and the Herodians, who were formerly enemies, they join together in a plan to murder Jesus. So it doesn't take long. By the end of this book about Jesus, many of the people who like the idea of the kingdom, but not so much the idea of the king, join together in a chorus shouting, crucify him. Mark's shown us that Jesus is the authoritative king over humanity, over the spiritual realm, and over the physical realm. And he's shown us that Jesus' publicity is going through the roof. But one more key truth we see today is Jesus' priority. Sandwiched between the accounts of healing and casting out demons as an insight into what this ultimate king deems most important. And therefore, what is most important? Since Jesus is the authoritative king over humanity, over the spiritual realm, over the physical realm, he has the authority to tell us what is most important. And we see him do this in verses 35 to 39. Jesus gets up really early while it's still dark before sunrise and he makes his way to a desolate place, something like a wilderness place. Somewhere he is away from the hustle and bustle of the night before, and he prays. Jesus spends time with his father in private. Simon and the other disciples go and look for Jesus. One of my Bibles of a different translation says they hunted for him, um, not to kill him, but yeah, um, looking for him. And then they find him and they, and they tell him that everyone is looking for him. And, and we can understand that, can't we? That he's been, he's been healing all of these sick people. He's been casting out all these demons. Everyone wants to know where Jesus is. And he's gone to a desolate place. Jesus' response to, to them saying, you know, we've been looking for you, shows us his priority. What does he say to the disciples? Look with me at Jesus' words in verse 38. Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. Jesus' priority is preaching. 
Jesus left the house where people were flocking with all of the sick and demon-possessed people to go and pray with the intention of going to preach to other towns. Jesus' purpose and priority is centered on the preaching of this massive news. It's not that Jesus will stop healing or will stop casting out demons. No, we'll see him continue to do those things throughout Mark's gospel. But what is Jesus' priority? What is most important? Preaching. Telling people the massive news that he, the king, has arrived. So turn away from rebelling against God. Turn towards this king, Jesus. Why is the preaching so important? I mean, the other things Jesus did really seem to grab people's attention. Casting out demons, healing the sick, cleansing a leper. And yes, all of those things are amazing. They show Jesus' authority as king and his compassion on humanity. They are outworkings of his preaching ministry, a foretaste of the coming kingdom, a glimpse of the end of sickness, suffering and sorrow, an insight into what the future is like for all of those in Jesus' kingdom. But casting out demons and healing the sick do not bring people into Jesus' kingdom. Demon possession and illness are symptoms of the underlying problem. Casting out demons and healing the sick deals with the symptoms. But Jesus came not to deal merely with the symptoms, but to deal with the root cause itself. And this is only possible through preaching. That root cause is sin. Humanity's evil rebellion against God. And that rebellion is defeated by the ultimate king. Only through the preaching of this massive news about the king can people hear and be brought into this kingdom. Take, for instance, the people Jesus healed and cast the demons out of. All those he healed and cast the demons out of still needed to hear his preaching. Being physically healed or having a demon cast out does not save a person in the ultimate sense. Sure, they experience benefits in the here and now from the great king. But as sinners, they remain under God's eternal judgment. People can only be saved when they hear the preaching of the massive news of this great king and respond in belief in him. And that's just as true today as it was then. This message that impacts where we spend forever is that Jesus the king has come and he is bringing his kingdom. Therefore, turn away from rebellion against God and turn towards Jesus, the king. Instead of wanting the things of the kingdom without the king, we need to turn away from that and turn to trust the king himself. In his crucifixion, Jesus takes on God's righteous anger at our rebellion upon himself in our place dying the death that we deserved. And Jesus is so powerful that death could not contain him. He rose victorious, never to die again. This is the authoritative king of the whole world, king over humanity, king over the spiritual realm, king over the physical realm, king even over death. Do you know this king? Do you know the king of the whole world? The king who loved you so much 
that he stretched out his hands on the cross to die for you. That king is Jesus, and he is the authoritative king. Authoritative over humanity, the spiritual realm, the physical realm, death itself. And his priority is preaching. Because his priority is saving people not merely here and now, but forever. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's the king worth knowing. One day every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day every person without exception will acknowledge Jesus as the authoritative king. And our passage this morning in Mark challenges us. Have we submitted to this authoritative king? Have we put our trust in this king, Jesus? Have we taken seriously his priority of eternal salvation? While everyone will acknowledge his kingship one day, not everyone will be saved. The responses of the disciples at the beginning of today's passage and the leper at the end, not the bit where he disobeys Jesus and goes and and tells people, but the bit where he comes to Jesus begging to be cleansed. Those Those are helpful ways for us to look at how we too can respond to Jesus. Like the leper, we come to Jesus kneeling as beggars saying, if you will, you can make me clean, spiritually clean. We cry out for the cleansing only Jesus offers, salvation from our sin. And like the fishermen, we listen to Jesus call, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We are to align our priorities with Jesus by crying out to him, for mercy and, 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 and reaching people with the news of the Lord Jesus, which is what we are uh, going to be doing uh, in, the, in the coming weeks. So come along on Wednesday. Think about how we can reach people with this massive news of the Lord Jesus. Because while there was a time where that message was to be kept quiet, now is not that time. People need to hear about this awesome king who is the only one who can save any of us. And we are to submit to Jesus as king, heeding his call, heeding his call to repent and believe, to turn away from our rebellion, to turn towards him as king.